And now, another cup of... The London Fog. Welcome. Welcome. Oh my gosh, guys, it's been so long. I know. It's been since October. Our last episode was a Halloween episode. Stop. (laughs) It has not been. For some reason, I really thought we had at least come out with a Christmas episode. No? We planned to. I can't remember what happened. Life happened. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like it was like something kind of big, but now I don't even remember. Mm, Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, You know, it evades. (laughs) Too much has happened. We can't remember anything anymore. It's true, but we're coming at you once again. I mean, at least we got some practice in with, you know, recording via, you know, quarantine before this all went down. That's true. We know how to record from afar. So you're welcome, guys. It's true. <laughs> it just takes a little practice. Yeah. But we are here now. We are here and we have a lot to say. Um, I know. Let's just first like catch up for a second. Where is life? Where is England? We're super excited. I'm currently on my floor. I don't know what the rest of everybody's quarantine looks like. Mine, I have not done makeup for nearly three weeks, which is absolutely amazing. And um, I've worn nothing but yoga pants and a big t-shirt, which is fabulous. Yeah. Pretty much me too. Um, I'm trying to think. Although not three weeks. I feel like I've only really been quarantined for two and a half. (laughs) Mine was like this. All of a sudden I was at work and they're all like, okay, tomorrow we're going to just run this drill of what it would be like if we needed to all stay home and stay remote. And then we never came back off of drill. So (laughs) this is not a drill, but Dare I say, I almost feel like I could get used to this. Ooh, um, not like the the virus part itself, but the fact that I can just sit on my floor and be in meetings and I'm learning that things are very easily accomplished by just sending an email and we don't need to sit in an hour meeting. So it's going well. I could get used to that, but. Yeah, except for like. <laughs> Doing that, but also still being able to go to movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last thing I saw in theater was Onward, and it was opening oh, weekend. Yeah. And that came out, like, the weekend that this all, like, started to explode. And no one was in the theater. I think people were already being smarter than I was. I was not smart. And there was, like, 12 of us, like, maybe a dozen in the theater. <laughs> So um, speaking of like British stuff, though, the movie that I was going to go see and then didn't because everything got closed and we had to quarantine was the new Emma. <gasps> yeah. I want to see it really bad. Tell me, though, which is your favorite Emma? I don't I don't like any Emma movies. That's why okay. I wanted to see this one. <laughs> Fair. Emma, out of all of them, are not my – it's not my favorite Jane Austen by That's any. probably why I don't like the movies too because, yeah, I don't – it's not my favorite book either. I'm just saying I prefer a lot of people like the Gwyneth Paltrow. <sighs> well I done. Paltrow. Very <laughs> – <cinema>. Yeah. <laughs> 
Drew I think Gwyneth. the movie as a whole is probably okay. I just her as Emma is not. I'm, I, it not just didn't do it for me. Now I really like the Kate Beckins. How do you say her last name? Beckinsale. Beckinsall. 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 Yeah, yeah, I'm not her. <laughs> Um, the woman that's like super petite and super cute and everything. Um, she does an Emma and I really like that one. This one, based on the previews, I feel like Emma seems like quite the brat. <laughs> yeah. But the thing uh, is reading Emma, I think she, she is a brat. I know. See, so that's why. And, um, what's his name? Bill Nighy? Uh, yeah. Um, I really like him, and I think he plays her dad. Okay. Um, so anyway, I just for some reason I just feel like if he's in a movie, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> oh, it's just so. it's so sad to me that all these movies are like coming out, and you can tell like decent things are coming out right now. Like I miss Mulan. I know that is nothing British, but by any means. But the well, fact is, is it, what are they oh. doing? So that they're not so so for onward since it had already been released, it's like on Disney Plus now, or it will be on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then this Emma, what they're doing is they're releasing it like you can rent it digitally right oh, now. Oh, okay. But like for some of the big ones like Mulan, they're just um holding off on releasing it. So it's kind of a okay. mix depending on like who made the movie. Like some movies they're just releasing them digitally and hoping that people will buy them and rent them. Well, I hope so. Then, yeah. I mean, I think people will. I like you can't just only watch whatever's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It's true. You know, you can, I don't know. During this time, I feel like a decent amount of support go out there and, you know, maybe rent Emma for crying out loud. If you weren't thinking about watching it, you know, support. I know media and entertainment probably doesn't need any more money, but the fact is, is I think all of us are just in a place to, you know, give a little bit more, try something different. I know I probably wasn't going to see it. I don't know why. Emma is just one of those books that it's, I hate her. (laughs) <laughs> I know but it's like even though you hate her at least for me even though it's you just feel like you need to watch a movie if it comes out and it's like a Jane Austen movie yeah no it's true anything that I think is like period really draws you in mm-hmm. um the costuming seems to be amazing and I have to say though these are classic stories that get remade over and over and over. I love that they're kind of taking it from a different, they really are trying to make her character different than at least the other two or three versions that I've seen, of course, through Masterpiece Theater. Shout out to Um, the PBS. (laughs) Did you ever see the movie Thoroughbreds? It's like a creepy, it's, they call it a black comedy. It was kind of a horror movie, but comedy Anyway, it was horrible. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But also, I don't like I don't like horror movies. Um, but the girl who plays Emma in this, she was one of the stars of that, oh. which I think also leads to me like thinking that I hate her already. <laughs> gotcha. Is it a British like film? Is it all British actors? I don't even remember. It was horrifying. My eyes were closed. I was plugging my ears. (laughs) Yep. I cannot, I can't do horror. So I'm dating somebody that he is all about the scary things and he's just grown accustomed to the fact that I watch, I mean, I watch even the scary parts of like Disney animation movies sometimes by the backs of my hands. That's 
how chicken okay. I can be. But there is a lot of scary stuff though in Disney, you have to admit. Disney is really up their game in in number one, pulling at the heartstrings. Coco, come on, that was just uncalled for. I mean, mm-hmm. beautifully done, but oh my goodness, I I wept. Not just like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I cried kind of too many emotional tears of how beautifully I thought that was animated and the story. But down to like the scary stuff. I took my spoiler alert. I took my my nieces and nephews to see Frozen 2. Holy cow, mm-hmm. there is heavy material. Okay, I won't spoil, but there is just heavy material in in yeah. that. You know, like to watch people have to cope with with heavier things and I think, you know, the average audience of that has to be 5, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of like entertainment and pop culture and bringing it back to our topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've heard, I think we mentioned it maybe like months ago of the musical six. Yeah. So, you and know, it's doing wonderfully on Broadway. Well, until Broadway closed. Until um, Broadway closed. <laughs> yes. But I was going to say that I recently discovered that the soundtrack is all on Apple music for those of you uh, oh, just in case people are forgetting, that is the the musical about the six wives of Henry VIII. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack is on Apple Music, and if you, since nobody has a chance to go see the show right now, since right. it's closed, you should listen to the soundtrack because it's amazing. Oh, and it it's so fun. It is very, um, like you said, pop culture. It's taking these six different women and putting them kind of with today's modern flair and it all was started by Cambridge University students who just all got together and created this like little this musical but then people found out about it and then they just started to blow it up into this bigger show so it's all about the the ex-wives and it's kind of like if all of his ex-wives were Spice Girls. Yes, that's the perfect thing. They even look like Spice Girls. Like yeah, they all have like a different yeah. attitude and a different look. You have your sporty girl and you have the the artsy fartsy and you have the brain and you know, it's just it's so fun and the music is really good. So I didn't know it was on Apple Music. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's really fun. I just know uh, a couple of numbers from it. I've got students that like are all about it and want to keep singing it. Also, what else is up this week? Oh yeah, this is uh Harry and Meghan's last week as senior royals. Yeah, I mean that could be of course an episode on itself and we are we I think in this time yeah, we don't, and I have talked about this for like yeah. we don't want to be a there's so many podcasts out there that are just like a royal review podcast that will give you more in detail a rip yeah. that, you know, like news you about know, what's going on with that. Really want to hear all about it. Listen to the AirPod H E I R. Um, but yeah, so we just just wanted to mention it briefly since it happened. I mean, this it's just dumbfounding, though. You know, like <laughs> I, not not really, but in a way, like I just can't believe like how closely the relationship that Harry and William have and just almost to have this happen, dare I say again, like (laughs) within the family, it's just, it's nuts. I thought they were kind of over it, but um, 
they're they're stepping down. So I guess I, here's my thing. Do you think the Instagram will be changing name? Oh, did you not see their post today? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't they, think so. Oh, so they posted today basically a goodbye from this Instagram. Like one of the things they said was like, while you may not see us here, the work continues. And then they turned off all comments on their Instagram. Um, So basically it's like they're archiving it. So Mm -hmm. I think that, so two things, because number one, this is just like a one year trial of them not being senior Royals. So Mm -hmm. I think they're going to maybe leave it open to the possibility of going back to it. Um, Obviously the queen said that they're not allowed to use the, like Royal anymore. And yeah. so, so they, they're going to have to make a new Instagram anyway, if they want another Instagram. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I kind of thought they were just going to maybe change the name of this one, but it was, looks like based on their actions today, it's just being archived. So they might make a new one. They might not. But also I think that um, they, I don't know. I think it might be possible because they are still patronages of or royal patrons of some stuff that maybe they'll promote that stuff only on this Instagram or something. But right. anyway, yeah. You said like so, a lot of their work is going to stay pretty much the same. They're still going to be highly involved with the Commonwealth. They just are no longer taking any money with that comes from being, you know, paid to be a part of the royal family. Well, and also they they aren't doing like they they did get a lot of their like patronages were taken away like yeah. uh, the the ones that you like have to be royal to have yeah <laughs> but um, yeah they can't be like an ambassador is what I'm thinking I was reading they can't like go and do any ambassador work for the queen because they're no longer considered yeah royal. and Harry it no longer has any of his military titles um like the one not the ones that he earned himself obviously but you right. know the ones that were given to him um but yeah so yeah that's the end of that instagram based yeah. on their yeah. last post so so lots going on there like i said you guys can read up on it but we'll give a shout out and keep them uh, thinking about them but something to segue into that megan it's funny because this week they are you know getting rid of their royal title and I just saw I think less than a week ago a preview on Disney Plus for a um a documentary a nature documentary about elephants it's literally called elephants yeah it's by Megan the Duchess of Sussex (laughs) they don't even say Megan Markle (laughs) that's well I mean technically that's her name like she doesn't have a last name anymore she's the Duchess of Sussex so that like I think she's still gonna have to put that as everything she's just not like a like yeah her royal royal yeah so but yeah that is a little bit funny because I I noticed that too and I was like oh (laughs) I'm super excited about it because it's my favorite animal and Megan is but here's my thing I mean is she really gonna have the right voice for doing a nature documentary um I don't know so the other one that they're releasing at the same time is like Natalie Portman doing dolphins Mm -hmm. um I guess I, for me, I cannot hear a nature documentary unless it is David Attenborough. Thank you. That's how I feel. It needs to be a British man or, you know, close, like not even a close second. Like our last resort would be like uh, Morgan Freeman, which yeah, that's I feel like is our, our American equivalent, which is a yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, it'll be interesting. I guess that's, that's out this week, right? So yeah, we'll have to listen to that. 
see how it goes. Um, oh yeah, so I guess though, is that all of the all of the extra stuff? Should we get into so. it? Yeah, yeah. So we just decided with everything that's going on, number one, uh, London Fog is back. We we didn't really, I guess, introduce the podcast. We need to do better oh, at that. Yeah. Oops. Um, but we want everybody to stay safe, stay inside, and to help do our public service. We're coming back with episodes. So stay home, clean your house again, get into the <laughs> deep, dirty, gritty yes. parts of your tile and this you is know, very good listening when you're vacuuming. Right? <laughs> uh, learn something new. But also, we just wanted to bring you some happy, you know, stories. So I think we're going to keep it, like, a little lighthearted for a couple of episodes and then maybe go back to some of our deeper, darker things. But yeah, so, so we didn't I just dubbed this the happy a, episode. Yeah. We didn't pick a topic this week. Um, we just kind of each picked something that we thought would be – well, mine's not necessarily happy. It's just – was funny. <laughs> I like so. it. Mine's kind of happy. It, yeah, like it's it's just playful. It's something to get your mind off of everything else that's going on. I mean, things can be serious and heavy, and we're just here to make things lighter. So, who should start? Yeah. It's been so long. I feel like it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You can okay. Or I, can. I feel like mine has kind of like a happy. A happy ending. Okay, kind of that's a, good because mine doesn't really have an ending. <laughs> okay, okay. Then you go first, and then I'll go second. Okay, so for everyone who has watched Outlander or read Outlander, um, you know, there's like a scene in the second season slash second book where uh, Claire goes to uh, the King of France's like. Um, morning dressing, right? <laughs> so one thing that I did not know was that it was normal for all kings. Um, so I uh, found out that they're like front, like all of the kings of England also had like people who would come dress and help them go to the bathroom. So oh. <laughs> yes, so um, we're here or I'm here to talk about Henry VIII again. I mean, we've talked about Henry VIII a little bit, but we're specifically talking about his grooms of the stool, which were, these are the men who helped Henry go to the toilet. Um, Gosh. (laughs) They were known to be the most trusted figure in like of all of his uh, like personal, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> They're the guys that ran out at the beginning of this and stocked up on the TP. Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, and actually from the, so they were groom, called groom of the stool or chief gentleman of the chamber. Oh. And actually from the time of Henry the seventh, the groom of the stool was also in charge of the privy purse. So he was the king's personal treasurer and in fact directed most of England's fiscal policy. Oh dear. So, yes. I, mean, I don't know about you. I have some really great thoughts when I'm on the toilet. So, you know, privy to that knowledge was this man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the crazy thing is he actually had a lot of power. So like, um, the 
like gentry could be fined for like just minor offenses, whatever the king said. And um, and if like you were a minor and you inherited an estate, you could become a ward of the crown. So the crown could run your estate for its own profit until you came of age and the minors would have to be court servants. And what? all of this, yeah, all of this was run by the groom of the stool. <laughs> so, which, so the groom of the stool basically was running the government because he's like finding the gentry, like running, like taking these minors. Um, okay, so so just to clarify, this is the guy that helps our king on and off the toilet. Yes. And I'm guessing, you know, maybe hands him the Charmin or in that time, you know, whatever else. Or yes. I guess because toilets were more of a squatting thing. Is this somebody that like just bears him up? I mean, I think he's there to wipe. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is the butt wiper of the king has this much yes. power. <laughs> yes. Like that's exactly. So in particular, so I'm just going to talk about a few of the really important ones for Henry VIII. So the first guy was Sir William Compton. Um, So he was, his father died when he was around 11. So he became a ward of Henry VII because of that process I told you about where they take the minors in. So Henry VII um, made him a page to the infant Prince Henry, who would become Henry VIII. So he was his personal servant and messenger. They became very close. So as soon as Henry VIII came to the throne, he appointed him as his bottom wiper, his (laughs) groom of the stool. Um, Yeah, so he... He arranged romantic trysts for Henry, which, as we know, Henry had a lot. Oh, um, Yeah, and he became incredibly rich. He Henry made him the Chancellor of Ireland. He was sher- Sheriff of Worcestershire, Sheriff oh. of Somerset and Dorset. He managed more royal estates than all the other courtiers. Um, yeah. And this I is, mean, as well as he should, I mean, he is wiping another man's bottom and, <laughs> oh, no. <yeah. laughs> he was eventually knighted. Um, he went he went everywhere with Henry because, you know, that's a job that's needed daily. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know when Henry would go meet with Kings of France or other royalty, he would always be with him. He went with him to go meet with um, the Holy Roman Emperor. He, anyway, just like he was there for a lot of important stuff because he had to be with him every day. Right. Um, So, yeah, so they were very close, but eventually he uh, passes away when he's quite young. So then Henry has to pick another guy. (laughs) A new bottom wiper. Yes. Um, So the next guy he picked was Sir Henry Norris. Um, He also began life as he was young as a page. Um, And so he, so when he was a page, his job was to wake up, the gentlemen of the privy 
so that they could go wake up the king and, mm-hmm. you know, help him with that. So he, that, so he was first made one of the gentlemen of the privy from his page position. Um, and then he actually, in 1526, is when he became appointed groom of the stool. <laughs> and he helped Anne Boleyn to establish herself at court. And he actually became a leader of her faction. What? Um, yeah. Okay, well, for so, a hot second, I thought you were also going to say that he helped, she, he helped Anne Boleyn also in the bathroom. I'd be like, whoa, he can't be privy at everybody's bottom. But it does make sense that apparently the bottom wiper has a lot of power, so he helps set up King Henry VIII with his next wife in a way. Yeah, like that's how much power they had. What? I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, so for him, he – so, you know, Anne was pretty flirty, and Cromwell was trying to take her down. And so he found out that Anne had once told Norris – if aught come to the king but good, you would look to have me. Um, which I guess was said in jest, but it was still considered treason because you, you're not even supposed to, like, imagine the king's death. Oh. Um, yeah, so um, anyway, so that was treason. And then Cromwell interrogated some people and they claimed that Norris was um, having an affair with Anne. And so uh, Henry was hanging out with his closest friends and he was handed a note. So he got up and he asked Norris to go for a ride with him. He interrogated him the entire time about, you know, what was going on. And that conversation ended with Norris being beheaded for treason. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So then, obviously, Henry needed another groom of the stool. Mm, of course. <laughs> so his last and final groom of the stool. Because he couldn't do it himself. He became a portly man. I mean, it could have been a, a chore. That's true. When he Especially was young, somebody he could has to bear him up. <laughs> well, that's why there's there's many, like, gentlemen of the privy, but there's one groom of the stool so, like, of the, the, gen- stool. the gentleman of the privy can like help him up yeah exactly the stool. take a side and a sport yeah, exactly or- <laughs> i guess so oh, yeah gross. the last groom was sir anthony denny um who i mean he what he went to cambridge university like he was very well educated and which I mean I guess you know groom of the stool did a lot of stuff, but it's just a little bit funny to think of somebody like going to Cambridge and then this is how yeah. their career goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he was um, he was an ally with Cromwell and he brought his sister-in-law into the court to be a servant to Princess Elizabeth. And he was, and he started out as a diplomat, going to mission on missions to France. But then, in 1539, he was appointed a gentleman of the privy. Mm. Um, Such Henry, an elevation from from Cambridge. I mean, all of that yeah. book learning. <laughs> Who it's needs so it really? Than being a diplomat. <laughs> right. um, and she. 
uh, he was actually very close to Henry. Henry confided in him about how little he was attracted to his queen of the time, Anne of Cleves. Mm. Um, but he, so he was, I don't know, He did, I guess he didn't really do that much, but he was just kind of managing things. But he was there until Henry's death. So he was groom of the stool. And because he was groom of the stool, he actually could control um, who could see the king. So, like, Henry was dying. He was bedridden. And Denny, as groom of the stool, was in charge of who was allowed to see him. Um, So he... What so Henry didn't have a will, it needed to be finalized, but it's treason to tell the king that they're dying. Um, but Denny, since he was the most intimate companion, <laughs> was yes, very intimate. <laughs> he took the risk of telling the king that the king was dying. Um, and luckily the king did not have him beheaded for treason. And he was the one who had Edward Seymour appointed the Lord protector, thus securing power for the Protestants after oh, Henry's death. That's so, so crazy. Yeah. He, yeah, he like was, I guess he was like kind of sneakier than the other grooms of the stool. He was also the uncle of Sir Francis Wal- Walsingham, which was okay. Elizabeth. Elizabeth the first spy master. So he was kind of like behind the scenes working too, but and it ran in the family. Better name spy master instead of I gave up my my Cambridge education you know to wipe the king's butt. <laughs> and actually, that's a good point that I did not research. Is I researched that the kings had grooms of the stool, but did the queens? Like, did Elizabeth? I don't know. This she had to. I, if I anything, to I think almost more so. She would be wearing so many more layers. Yeah, but like, how would how would a woman take care of that? Well, but like the women at the time. Oh, okay. I just googled really fast. So I love the, a quick, when, quick when, Google. <laughs> yeah, when Queen Elizabeth came to the throne and it was no longer a king, um, the groom of the stool was no longer needed and was replaced with the position of first lady of the bedchamber. Mm. <laughs> so. Still very unfortunate. Wait, what does our Elizabeth have a first lady up at the bedchamber? <gasps> okay. I mean, if she does, obviously it cannot have the same job requirements. <laughs> I'm pretty sure human resources would have been all over that shit. But I'm sure she has like a little escort, somebody to, you know, put the good soap in and you know, yeah. I mean, she had good reading material. Yeah, I guess now, like people just have like ladies in waiting. Like, yeah, you know, probably, probably have like somebody to do that. Somebody assigned to wipe your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that's just a little fun thing that I. Think oh, we that was about. well worth it. Well <laughs> worth it. You should have said that you had like. That just trust me, it's going to be well worth it if I end. Because <laughs> that was worth it. That is worth the price of admission. I had no idea that they, I mean, it makes complete sense. And I kind of go, yeah, obviously they would have had to have somebody, you know, wiping their butt. 
Um, is that obvious though? Because well, we don't need so much. Here's my thing. Every time I've gone to these museums, every they're always like, "Here's his chamber pot. Here's his chamber pot. There's yeah. his chamber pot." And I always kind of wondered. Yes, even adolescent young Kate, I'd be like, "How would you go to the bathroom?" And, and I, there I am, standing in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. You know, let yeah. alone wearing what they were wearing. Like, okay, truly, I mean, I guess a woman would have to take off a couple of layers, but even then I'm sure she would have to have somebody there holding up her skirt so she could relieve herself and a little than a man, you know, we just don't have certain appendages. So truly I believe that the groom of the chamber pot or what was his title? One more time. Gentleman of the stool. The gentleman of the the stool was really only needed yeah, <laughs> for a big number two. <laughs> so. I do. I do have to say one more little funny anecdote that I just read when I was googling. Oh the, please, um, no, keep it so, coming. Poo humor is always needed. The inventor of the flushing toilet, Sir John Harrington. Um, his mother was queen was a gentleman of Queen Elizabeth's privy chamber, which means he probably invented the flushing toilet to get his mom out of that job. No joke. (laughs) Being like, no no other person should have to wipe another person's bottom unless they be infirmed or elderly. Like, I don't know. But I can't believe how much power that the guy wiping somebody else's bottom would end up having. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, because, I mean, if you're going to give them that job, you really have to trust them, you know? Yeah, no joke. I mean, we all, like, say things to, like, the, like, women that do our hair or, you know, get your nails done. But I guess you really open up in every aspect when you start to be in those bathroom quarters with your privy individuals. (laughs) Yep. Well. That's for sure. I... Don't have a um, somebody that has to do with the bathroom, but I do have like a feel good story uh, about somebody that kind of changed a little bit of British history. So, uh, in true Kate fashion, I did something a little newer and Leah did something a little older. So, I'm talking about Donald, or as he just went, Don Thompson, who was a race walker. Uh, cause I thought it was fitting for the, <laughs> right. I thought it was fitting for the fact that we're all stuck at home. And the only thing I have been able to do is go out for walks. Mm-hmm. So I looked up race walking cause it's a true Olympic sport, uh, which I think kind of sounds, dare I say a hair boring, but, uh, it's a really special great spectacle to watch. So if you're feeling bored or don't really understand what race walking could be, please YouTube race walking and watch individuals. So the definition of race walking is you cannot like fully pick one foot up off the ground completely. (laughs) Like you can take steps, but you can't like raise your knee to a certain height because then it's considered running. So it is like this quick shuffle, like 
moms trying to run in and grab the last gallon of milk or buy that super awesome toy for Christmas. Just like the walking with a purpose. So (laughs) Donald Thompson is our hero. He uh, was born in October. Oh, I'm sorry. January 20th of 1933 and grew up in a nice, simple home in Hillington, London. He was a school teacher and did that for quite a while until he went into being an insurance clerk because it, well, made a little bit more money. But people do jobs like that. Right? (laughs) Sometimes we don't pay our teachers enough. Just a thought. He, um... At this time, when he didn't really have much other than just his desk job, he started running and really enjoyed it. Uh, by, by like the mid seventies, he had been you know running for about twenty years. He was about forty years old by this point, and he was never a tall man. He was five five, kind of small. Um, but he enjoyed running and at the time, you know, the Olympics wasn't like a Usain Bolt kind of thing. And he was, you know, considered and he was going to the Olympics and and running all these different competitions. But come the end of the seventies, he ends up injuring his Achilles tendon that never truly heals. And so he's not able to lift his knee up into a running position. So he just gives up running and he goes, I can't continue to do this. So he starts to race walk instead. So he starts walking. You can race walk if you have major knee issues. I don't know. Like, I guess because you don't need to lift your knees as high. But he uh, he starts walking with a purpose, walking because he no longer can run. <laughs> so he is living life, doing great, ends up getting really good at this race walking things and ends up seeing if he can apply for the Olympic Games. Uh, they were going to be held in Rome in 1960 and was preparing for the games. He had been admitted into the summer games the previous four years before in Australia, but as that was his first Olympics, he was not able to finish. He had applied or was there to compete in the 50 kilometer walk, but withdrew at the 45 kilometer point because he had so much dehydration and end up in fifth place. So here it is four years later, he's going back to try for the Olympics. This time, 1960 would be in Rome. He was so nervous about becoming dehydrated and especially being in Rome, he figured it's going to be like Australia again. It's going to be hot and I'm going to get dehydrated. So he ended up practicing his walking in his bathroom where he would turn on the shower full hot steam, shove a towel at the bottom of the cracks of the doors And then would even put a small like heater in the room, in the bathroom with him and 
would heat it up as hot as he could. He would put bowls of hot water and kettles around so that it would boost the humidity. And he would just practice for an hour and a half to two hours walking in his bathroom, which I've been in British bathrooms. They're not that big. Yeah, I was just going to say, how does he even make more than like two steps? I don't know, but I feel like we're just having a whole bunch of bathroom talk because we're back in the bathroom. We're not wiping anybody's <laughs> butt, but now we're exercising. So I figured it would work with our quarantine measures. Like we do odd things at odd times. So he was doing with what he had. So Actually, he makes it inspirational. We should all be walking in our bathrooms. Right? <laughs> So he makes it as human as possible, walks for an hour and a half to two hours to try and, you know, build up his tolerance for the humidity. And he always says, you know, I would do this until I would get so dizzy, I would just have to open the door and leave and and stop. Come to find out years afterwards of doing this, it wasn't that he was just making himself dehydrated and dizzy. He was giving himself carbon monoxide poisoning from the stoves that he had running. These Valor stoves emitted so much carbon monoxide. And because he was turning on like three or four of them in a small space to heat up, he was just poisoning himself with carbon monoxide every morning at 4 a.m. for, you know, close to two hours. (laughs) Crazy. But he didn't know at the time, so <laughs> he ends up going. He's once again he gets up at four a.m. He's doing this for a couple hours, and then he goes to work and works a full day, and then he ends up showing up for tryouts to make the Olympic team um, around his work schedule because he's not a paid athlete. Nobody's supporting him. He does this on his own, but he makes it. to Rome and makes a qualifying position for the 1960 Olympics. He shows up in Rome to run once again the 50-kilometer walk, which was the one that previously, four years ago, he missed by only five kilometers because he got dehydrated. He shows up. Of course, he's nervous, but the Italians see him, and because he's 5'5", they call him Il Topolino, which... Uh, it just means like little mouse or it's also what they call Mickey mouse. So they call because he's so small and tiny <laughs> and they think he's not going to finish because he's just too small. Um, but he gets there. The temperatures that day rage to be nearly around 90, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So I think that's around like 30, 31 degrees Celsius, which is hot. Uh And he goes, it says that he was in third place for pretty much the entire time, but by the end, he overtakes John Lundgren of Sweden by only a a 17 second lead to win the gold medal in four hours, 25 minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. Wow. He was the only other British competitor at that time. There was only one other person, a woman named Anita Lonsborough, who won a 200-meter breaststroke, who had won a gold medal in that Olympics for Britain, but also who had won a gold medal after World War II. So 
yeah, yeah. He comes back to England at that time, uh, pretty much a hero because it kind of puts them on a world mark kind of back on top of things. They just were still in, I guess, a recovery and hadn't had very many big wins for, for Britain. So he goes back and does more at that point, gets more championships and, you know, competitions and Olympics to go back to, but nothing kind of holds the same candle as it meant during that 1960s games. Uh, and he makes one other big, uh, outing in 1991, he represented Britain in a race in France and was the oldest person to represent Britain at that time at the age of 58 years and 89 days. So to host or represent Britain in an international athletic event. So he did all these tremendous things and was pretty uh, a humble guy about it all. He felt, of course, very proud that he could represent Britain, but always went back. He just went back to being an insurance clerk. He did not become a huge, uh, you know, hero, but he was awarded after he had won the 1960 uh, Olympic gold medal. He was awarded the most excellent order of the British empire which is an award given to civilians and artists and organizations for contributing towards art, science, anything that's very British or an act of chivalry. So he won that uh, or was awarded, I'm not sure if you win it, but was awarded that in 1970, just 10 years after. And he said right before he passed away, which was in 2006, when they were writing his biography, he said, I came in at the ground floor and I'll leave in the basement, but at least I have been to the top of the tower. <laughs> so that is Don Thompson, who passed away in October of 2006, but the man that w- learned to walk really fast while sweating literally to death <laughs> in his bathroom. Oh my gosh. I really, I mean, one of the things that I am really sad about the Olympics being postponed is uh, missing out on race walking. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, okay. I don't know about race walking. I have watched it once or twice and it truly is. I've never seen people walk that fast. I mean, it's it's a feat, number one, but it is kind of the oddest thing to watch. Would you but agree? It's, it's like do. the pivot I mean, it of looks the weird, hips. But it yeah, it's it's a total full body event where I feel like running, you're kind of like stiff up top, and you're you know pumping the legs and this and that. Like to get that kind of momentum for walking like these people's hips and the shoulders and the arms are flaring. And I mean, I cannot imagine how badly sore you would be after that. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to definitely train hard, <laughs> but 
we will be celebrating race walking and all those other things in Tokyo, I believe in 2021. So we'll have to keep watch. Maybe, maybe Britain will take it back. (laughs) (laughs) We can only hope. (laughs) We can only hope. Well, guys, I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us, even though we disappeared for a few months. We're, we're coming back. I'll, you come back to your roots. You, f- you start to realize what's really important when you take a moment and slow back down and realize, hey, you know, certain things are important and you guys are super important to us. So we're super excited to be back and to share our little British messages with you. Yes. Thank you so much. Cheers. So find us on our Instagram, London Fog Podcast. Send us emails londonfogpodcast at gmail.com and yeah now we'll cheers can we cheers now okay yes <laughs> okay Sorry, here we go ahead of and, okay and cheers, cheers. <laughs>